Anybody else? Come on. And it's a very interesting subject that all of you as coaches have had some pretty good experiences. Yeah, I think um, uh, if I can jump in, um, uh, Coach Miguel, maybe uh, you'll excuse me. I, I remember a while back on your Facebook, uh, you had a bit of a like a, a tantrum. I think you, you wrote something about, uh, uh, I'm the swimming coach at uh, Tanyapura. I'm not the facilities booking manager and the uh, financial manager and the the accommodation place and the nutritionist and the, um, but um, uh, I, I felt I felt quite um, uh, empathetic towards you because uh, this is my opinion in swimming more than in any other sport and perhaps more than in any other uh, job. I feel that um, uh, the the type of people that we are as swimming coaches we. We, we give more of ourselves towards um, our, our athletes or, or, or our community, our athletes, our parents, our, our, our staff. And, uh, and the more we give, the more we're expected to give, um, especially now like the, this uh, COVID period um, before the same, like where I've been doing, uh, I've been managing my, my, I've been coaching my team. I've been managing my staff, I'm HR, I'm a finance, I'm running a budget. Uh, suddenly I'm a nutritionist and a psychologist and a physiotherapist and a, a, a dry land strength and conditioning specialist. And uh, now I'm an IT Zoom specialist. And uh, you give and you give and you give and you give and you give. And the more you give, um, the, the more everyone sort of uh, expects. You, you get very little in return other than that sort of innate intrinsic uh, pleasure and then um, uh, the, the same like uh, what you said about coach Ivan uh, I mean I know Ivan well and uh, uh, Ivan and I, I think quite similar in terms of our, our mannerisms around the poolside especially at competition uh, we're, we're very loud um, and I personally I quite like it uh, we quite we're quite emotional people um, some of the coaches here in Singapore feel like there's almost a competition between me and, and Ivan, who's like the more emotional uh, coach on the side of the pool. He's had some meltdowns. I've had some meltdowns. Uh, uh, apparently, mine was the biggest one that there's been. Um, but I find that uh, the, the coaches like uh, Ivan and definitely myself, um, like we wear our heart in our sleeve. Uh, like what you see is what you get. And it's quite an honest. Uh, it's quite an honest portrayal of who we are, rather than the uh, uh, the people who are quiet in the background, politicians. Uh, you, you never know. You never quite know where, where you stand. But um, uh, that that sense of w w what you've spoken about, uh, giving and giving and giving, and um, trying to understand exactly uh, various people's motivations as to when they approach you. Um, for information or, or for work or exactly what it is, um, uh, I feel that's quite special to to us as a swimming coach because I, I've not noticed it in in any other profession. I'm I'm a school teacher and um, uh, by profession, and uh, I've not noticed it in school teachers, although they are very um, giving people themselves. But in terms of the swim coach uh, on the poolside or sort of involved in swimming 70, 80 hours a week um, with huge amounts of people. And um, 
uh, I, I think that's quite special um, in terms of uh, what we do and how we do it and, and definitely um, trying to figure out other people's motivations when they do approach you for information or for help or exactly what it is that you get to. Uh, you definitely get to a point where you've given so much that you become a little bit more cynical, I think, as to uh, w w what really is going on behind the scenes. So, yeah, Jill, I totally agree with you. And I love the way you say um, passionate people that get a meltdown they are the, the best because you see them coming and, and you have to forgive sometimes those little things because I, I absolutely have meltdowns myself, but I know it ended there, right? People kind of like a genie, you, you drop them and they come out of the bottle and make a big fuss and then they go back and, and that's it, it's done. But uh, I also want to point out something that I've always thought. Um, there is, some of the coaches that I admire the most, um, they're older than Sergio, but very much like him in character. Um, I met Eddie Reeves for the first time in 1990, and he was the nicest guy, the nicest guy. And he's still the nicest guy. And I saw him again at the SEA Games in 2014, and I sat down and I said, Oh, yeah, I remember I saw you in Florida in 1990 or whatever. And he said he remembered, he remembered me. I said, I worked with your brother. He called his brother, and the next day he said, oh, yeah, Randy. You know, he was genuinely um, interested in a nobody that had been there two years or 20 years before. Uh, if you meet John Urbancheck the same, if you meet Jack Roach, the exact same. Nicest people, people-oriented. They're not going to get anything out of you. They're just nice. They're just nice people. So sometimes you get, um, and again, Sergio said it, the phrase last week, a coach that puts the fear of God in you, and that works for a while. But the real longevity the coaches that have been there forever are coaches that are just very nice as um as nature that's who they are they will bring you home they will uh, feed you their food they will take you out and they will tell you what they think and they will do that with the cleaner and they will do that with um with the mother of the kid that has struggles paying so and, and that's why I think we're a very close-knit community. We all know each other, and the good ones tend to be very good friends. And then you see people passing by, and they, they just don't last that long. But even a lot of young coaches I know that are not very good yet, but they're passionate, and they're trying, and they're humble, I'm going to see them 20 years down the line. I'm totally sure. Uh, um, Miguel, thanks, thanks for sharing that. I'll tell you one thing. They're humble, but Eddie Reese, John Urbanchek, all those guys, they're not humble. They're, they're, they're not. They're very good people. And, and they show, they're not humble. They show you because they're not faking it. And they care for you. You know, I met Eddie Reese after five months when I was here. I couldn't speak English. And I became 
fascinated by him and we're very good friends and John Urbanchik and all these guys, amazing people. They do, it's their vocation. They feel good about what they do. But they, <laughs> humble, um, sometimes, you know, I, I had some conversations with the three of them about certain really deep things. And you can see that they're not that humble. Right? And, and that's a side that we have to have. Because if not, you will never reach the top. Make sense? And it's a balance that you have to have. Yeah. And, and I'm, yeah, not saying, I mean, I'm not saying that they're faking it. Because they're good people. Make sense? And, uh, and then you have the, the ones that fake that they're good people. And they're horrible people. But I think, I think the most important thing at the bottom line is, you know, how do you feel when you want to talk with Jack Roach? Awesome. Do you want to sit with him and have a, a cup of uh, tea or a beer and just chat about life? A guy that has been in Vietnam, a guy that has been in, has issues uh, with the Mexican Federation, has been in, in horrible situations. But you want to sit with him because he's a wealth of knowledge as a person. And he talks to you in a very nice way. Make sense? But in order for him to be where he is, the humble part is, is you know, I have a hard time saying, no, they're humble. It's, you know. Well, I think we're um, using two different meanings for the word humble. Yeah, humble. humble I want to change the word humble for approachable. Because humble to me doesn't mean I don't think I know what I'm talking about. It means I am approachable and I'm open-minded to listen and I'm, I'm genuinely listening to what you're saying. So I'm humble enough to take your ideas into consideration, even though I've been doing this thing, you know, like Jack was my coach for four years. And, and when I met him, um, I felt he didn't know as much as he knew when I left because he was the assistant for Mark Schubert and then for Steve Baldman and, and he grew during those years. And he was very humble, but he was already very knowledgeable on, on technical stuff. He had been assistant to uh, Walt Schluter. He had been, you know, he was surrounded by a wealth of knowledge back then already. 1985, 1986. But when I saw him in 2014, he was the same um, approachable person. Okay? So humble doesn't mean I don't value what I think I know. Humble means I value it enough that I don't need to show it, to, to disregard other people's opinions. I, I, I totally understand. I just wanted to make sure that uh, people understand that to, to, to reach in our business, to reach the top, you have to have certain killer instincts or certain ways of thinking that they're not going to make you humble sometimes. Like, for example, I told these many people when they come, before I went to Singapore in one and a half years, I think I had 24 coaches from all over the world coming to watch my practice. You know, sometimes for one week, because USA Swimming had a program, and you had coaches that were, I think, much more successful than me, you know, coming and staying there for a week. 
And, uh, you know, I, I gave them my practices. I, I, they sat down at the meetings. I gave them everything. And many of them asked me, I said, Sergio, why are you giving me all this? You know, you, I, you're not afraid? Oh, and I said, why would I be afraid? I'm going to beat you in the next competition that we go. Because that's my job. You understand? And if I don't believe in that, I need to stop in this business. Not because I give you what I do. You're going to be better than me. Because it's not about what a paper says. It's about how I can, in a way, command. Not command. Maybe it's, a, you know, express myself. And, and, and everybody else around my swimmers get contagious of that and understand that we are the best. There's no questions asked. If you beat me on the next time, it's okay. I might cry, I might this, I might that, but I will go back and try to understand how the next time I'm going to smack you in the face. And after that, we can go and have a, a Jack Daniels and smoke a cigar. That's okay. And I'm not going to be like trying to do something maliciousness because time doesn't, doesn't lie. You know, we're in a sport that you, your swimmer goes 20.1 and my swimmer goes 20.0. I'm sorry, but I beat you. You like it or not. And if it's a team sport and you guys win five events and my guys don't win any single event, but I score more points than you and I win the meet, I'm sorry, my team is better than yours. It's, it's just like that, you know? So it's, and that's something that when I said that to somebody, a lot of people look at me like, oh, what, why are you so aggressive? And it's, I'm not aggressive. I'm just telling you what I think. Because I don't think that way, I will not be what I am or keep getting better. I would just be stagnant. So I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense. But we're not, we're not as humble as people think. You know? But I think we have a big ego. It's how you manage it. And I think, I want to believe that we're good people, you know, because the more the people that we have had our differences, like you might have these differences with Ivan and this and that, and, and you get to grow. It's, it's like a partnership. It's like a marriage. You know, marriage is not about love. Like, I'm sorry, I'm going to break your, your wings, guys. But love is infatuation and it's overrated. Right? It's, it's, it's about work. You work. You work it and you work it. And, and there's a lot of appreciation and love and this and that. But it's about work. You have a partnership with somebody. Either you decide to work that partnership or you don't. And, you know, when two kids are all in love, what, what, and then they break out and they don't talk to one another anymore. They break out because the boy was looking at some other girl in a way that the girl didn't like. Are you fucking kidding me? We cannot work those differences? just because a boy and he's immature, you know what I mean? So everything is about working, working together, you know? And, and we have grown in many relationships with many coaches that we started hating one another. Because you look at me in the wrong way, or you talk to my swimmer and I thought that I, now you're trying to recruit my swimmer, or you're telling my swimmer, you know, and all those perceptions and misconceptions. So. I don't know. I just gave you my five cents, Miguel. <laughs> and I totally agree. And I think everybody in this chat. So where are we going with this conversation? Anybody else? 
Roland, you're over there. What do you think? I see you in that corner okay. of my screen. Um, for me, I think, yeah, respect is, like you say, regardless of who the person is, okay? And, like, for me, my case is uh, what I encounter is I teach at uh, public facilities. That means it's a public pool, okay? I mean, we are, we respect anybody that comes in, okay? And then, like you say, if you, if you give them their due respect, I think they do, they do, uh, um, how do you call it? Give it back. They do, re yes, give it back in that sense. Okay, so for me, I have no problem with the pool facility uh, people. Okay, I are uh, the man, the staff and managements and things like that. So, even when I have special uh, requests or events, usually they are very much willing to support me, and that's not just the case because even with the public, uh, yeah, I like I say we we do give our due respects to them. Okay, and so sometimes, sometimes every now and then you get some a little bit more nasty people who will come into your lane and then swim with your swimmers okay and and some of them they don't even swim they just stay in there and they are just like bothering them okay so what happened is you you find that when you have uh i usually i would just have tried to talk to these people if it doesn't work even members of the public those who have been regular so that over there those who have been seeing you those who have been uh knowing how much you do okay they will even come in and help you talk to these people and get them out which i think is because when you give them their due respect they do return you in their own ways yeah yeah i think i think it's important but thank you very much roland i think i think it's important uh and every country is a little bit different you know you know, in America, you walk around the streets and everybody looks at you and smiles. Hello. And sometimes you worry about like, why the fuck are you telling me hello? You know? <laughs> like, you don't, you don't even know me. You don't even care for me. And it's very hard. Oh, everybody, like, I think we, we said this. And don't take, don't take, Ivan, don't take this the wrong way. You take a picture in America and everybody's like this. <laughs> you know, showing their teeth and faking it. I think you take a picture in Russia and everybody's like this. I remember when I went to Kazan. You know, in America, I'm telling you, Russians are real. We're just normal. <laughs> I'm not telling you that. In, <laughs> I, I, hate, I hate taking pictures <laughs> in America. But I remember what, the times that I've been in Russia, you say, hey, can you help me out? I need, and people will say, I'll, I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what. <laughs> You're I'll like, tell okay. you what. In America, they will be like this. They don't know what to tell you. But, ah, 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 ah. Are you okay? <laughs> <laughs> but, but those are cultural difference things that you need to know because if not if you go if you're from america and you go to russia and somebody doesn't smile to you and you don't know that it's it, you get conflicted you get upset sergio hi hey how are you i'm good uh that's that's what i wanted to say like you see you asked me how am i i think you mean it you want to know how i'm doing but i think most of the time when People ask, how are you? It's just, it's just uh, some sort of like words that they want to use just to include to their highs, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, absolutely. In, Russia, in Russia, you won't really hear that, how are you, like 
in terms of like if you are not friend or you don't know the person you won't ask that from that that person you know but i guess it's just cultural difference so we must just have to learn and uh, adopt well but that that's the thing that's it that's what i was trying to go with this example that's two totally different examples so if you go to russia and you don't know those things the way people talk or think of this or that. like my coach was hungarian and my coach yeah. you try to crack a joke with my hungarian coach <laughs> and and he pulled a fin and hit you in the face <laughs> you think you're funny oh. I know what you mean. Yeah. Like, so, so, so those are the differences that when you go, when we started this talk is when you go to work at a different country, you have to understand, you have to understand how you're going to communicate to people. You know, like in America, everybody says, I love you. 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 And, and the word I love you at one point doesn't have any meaning because everybody's, Oh, I love you, my man. Like, I love you, my man. It's like, it's like, you know, I had a friend of mine that he didn't understand all this and he didn't speak very good English and he went to the movies with the girl and the girl, uh, they were making out or whatever and the girl is like, oh, uh, no, he, he, he told the girl, oh, I love you. And the girl said, oh, I love you too. And he said, I love you three. Because he's like, it's like, it's like, he didn't understand this shit so much. Ah, I love you. And, and in America, a lot of the stuff gets, gets lost and, and for sure in your country, there's other ways, you know, that things get lost, you know, or, or have different meanings. So, so if you want to be successful when you go to a different country, what you got to learn, the first thing that you got to do, understand who you are, understand your philosophy, but understand that you have to learn how people think. You know, and, and slowly start putting yourself. Like I say, to build a team is going to take you three to four years. I think for you to learn the culture of a place, if you're open-minded, in six months, you can really understand how people do things if you pay attention. You know? But that doesn't mean that you cannot be who you are. Make sense? You just need to just keep moving. You know? And at the beginning, you know, when I, I don't know if Gary's here or not, but when I went to Singapore at the beginning, I didn't argue. I didn't say many, many things. I just tried to. When I was on the pool deck, I... I was who I was and, and uh, tried to understand how people felt in the office, my boss, this person, the assistants, and then try to, okay, we're going to get to this place, but instead of going this way, we have to go that way. You know? And that's, that's a very important thing. You know? um, but yeah. So Ivan, I like your smile though. No, I think you've been Americanized. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly speaking, like, I don't know, I have nothing to add today because I was on and off, but, you know, in 2009, when I arrived to Doha, Qatar for my first international job without any English, uh, the first thing I was, uh, I was told by my Russian friend, hey, mate, learn how to smile, otherwise you're going to have a lot of issues. I was <laughs> like, all right. So after, after a year or so, I came back, um, I, I got back to Russia for my summer holidays. And I was like, hey, you know, like, and people like, what the fuck going on with you? You're, you're crazy or what? Fuck, stop smiling, you idiot. Like, you know, you know, so, but you know, you get back to normal, like very fast, like three, four, five days. You're like, oh no, that's, that's not, not good thing. You know, well, things are changing, like, uh, you know, over, over 11 years since I've been away. So people in Russia, especially young ones, 
like well younger than me i guess who are younger than me they are they are a bit more open and more friendly looking it's just uh but yeah it's just stereotype uh we even have a saying in my, in, in my language uh, uh, uh smile without reason uh i mean it's a straight translation smile without reason it's a it's a some you means you have some mental issues you know so uh you know uh, that's how i was told about growing up like What's the point to smile and behave like I behave maybe now during competitions? But I actually found, I actually I wanted to a little bit go back to, to like what Gil was saying. I really uh, found that I like to be like that because I'm celebrating. You know, I'm celebrating. I'm there for my children. I've been waiting for this moment for so long. I've been coaching them twice a day. I've been, I, I, I was doing my best for them. And you can't tell me how to behave. I know I'm in different uh, in the cultural system, etc. But and I, I've got a couple of warnings in the past already from local coaches and from uh, actually also from international coach. But I always actually ask one day, Sergio, Sergio, can I do this and that? Can I whistle? Or I ask Tina, Tina, can I do this? Do I break any rules? Let me know. So I had to ask things. But you know, I think I think in Singapore also this kind of I get it, I understand, I have to respect this, but also, you know, I've also been working for these for this kids, and, uh, and for me, this, this particular day, it's a big, big one, it's a celebration, I want to celebrate, and of course, it has to be giving, giving um, uh, some boundaries, of course, understand that, maybe sometimes some little bit uh, breaking those boundaries, but, you know, that's how, that's how I express myself, you know. So that's, that's the, the, and honestly speaking, uh, working abroad help, helps me to do that because I feel myself that way better rather than to be like, oh, you know, like serious coach with stopwatch taking splits. I always wondering, why do you take splits? It's all on mid-mobile, man. Why would you do that? Like, oh, stroke count, stroke count, child swimming, one ten stroke count, four walk. Like, stop being serious. The only what I want to hear, you want to you hear your coach is happy and, you know, like things are good and parents are happy, everyone's happy, you know, celebration. You know, that's, that's I found that it is the best formula for me working in in international school with, with these particular children I have. You know, when I come, competitions, and I stress, oh, paper didn't work very well, maybe we didn't rest it enough or we rested a lot. Or, you know, I start stressing. As soon as kids can see that's it. Rubbish swimming, rubbish performance, rubbish atmosphere. Parents like take texting me, "Oh, coach, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you?" Uh, I just a little bit changed my behavior, and everything collapsed. And then what was happening in the past? Someone comes to me, "Oh, you know, stop this on Facebook." First year in Singapore, this post on Facebook by local coach. We have to ban this coach. You has to be banned from swimming. You know who is this guy? Yeah. So I, I was I, str- I was like, whoa, 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 stop it, stop it, stop it, come on, come on, come on. You know, I, I, I'm sorry, who, who do you have to apologize? No, I was very worried about this. But then I, was, I asked my swimmers, a couple of them, you know, um, you know, uh, I, I actually asked, I asked this, I asked this question, I said, um, it was just only one year or two, one and a half year in here in Singapore. And uh, I said, do you want me to, uh, you don't like, I was like, I was investigating. So you don't like the way I behave and my attitude during competitions. And she was like, oh, no, 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 no. We all like it. We all love it. We want to have this, you know? And I said, and she said, oh, in Italy, in Spain, people do that. So it's, it's totally fine. 
And so then I was kind of, wasn't sure and, you know, like, yeah, it's, it's a bit hard. Like, it's a cultural stuff, but also uh, 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 people here must understand other people how they, because for me, it's a big, big celebration. Because what I see is 5.15, my, my alarm, and 7 o'clock, I come back home, I eat, I see my children a little bit, I sleep, and that's how I, I live my life. And then competitions for me, big celebration, you know? And then the way I behave, that's the way, the way it is. I just a little bit about that, I, I, because for me, it was very sensitive. I, I was oh, it was, uh, you know, I, I, I was told by many people not to cheer, not to whistle on the pool deck. I was like, whoa, what are you talking about? No, you cannot whistle. It's not allowed. It's illegal. But are you serious? I cannot cheer for my kids. So what do you want me to do? I can, I can watch the kids. You know, you can film the kids and I'll be home. Oh, I might go to the beach and you can send me the tape. I don't need to be on the pool deck. And they're like, what? What are, you talking, what are you talking about? It's like, yeah. It's like, I'm here to, to celebrate, to help them out, to cry with them. Yeah. To, to, and it's, it was very and, hard for me to understand that part of the culture. It was very Yeah, yeah that's, that's a big one. And, and, you know, and the parents, especially junior, a junior snack, you know, it's disaster. You know, I, I don't, lo I'm, not, I'm not longer coming because I, I, I'm always getting, uh, terrible looks from parents and comments and then you know I was it was a case where parents would ask me to move from my place because they couldn't take video of their child can you imagine swimming coach in my country you are almost not not approachable by parents well this is also not good but here some random parent come to me hey can you move who you are move you know it's my child swimming so this is just this is just uh, explodes my brain you know I, and I'm very emotional. I start panicking. I start getting angry. And I start showing my dark side, unfortunately. And this is where I lose control. Because one day I said, you know, I'm, excuse me, it's my child swimming. This child training eight, nine times a week. And it's not a funeral. We don't have to cry here. And we don't have to sit quiet here in silence. So this is swimming competitions. This is my day. I couldn't sleep last night. I was waiting for it. I was waiting for it. I was waiting, I was planning every, every second, every step. How I take my bag, I put my stuff watching it, extra caps if someone forgot, this and that, you know, how, how I gonna show up, and I go, hi, hello, or, or I just got, one day I came with uh, uh, golf, golf clubs, like idiot, and I wanted to be idiot on this day. And another day I brought spike ball, spike ball uh, setup to play spike ball during warm up, so other people are like, oh, what is this idiot doing this time? I love this. I love this. Call me idiot. Because, because this is, keeps away my brain from the main business. It keeps away uh, from my children's brain from main business. And they perform better. They perform better that way, you know? Hey, Ivan, I agree with you. But I'm, I'm going to tell you one thing. On my funeral, you can dance and you can celebrate. I want you to cheer. I don't want you to be quiet. <laughs> maybe maybe I'll send you a bottle of vodka before that. Listen, <laughs> anytime, uh, anytime. <laughs> uh, I think I think it's yeah. yeah. Sorry, I was I was a bit emotional. I'm still I I'm started jumping already inside because I was remember those moments <laughs> where I was called off and my dark side straight away. The border is like so close. It's so much good things of me, and this much is just just right here. <laughs> and it comes out right there, right there, you know, you know, and then I apologize and then I apologize and I come, apologize, I reflect and all that. I'm, I'm very, you know, 
the, the worst case scenario from like in, in the life for me was the most thing that ever can happen if I upset you and I never see you again and I will never ever able to communicate with you and to keep that kind of on the back on my heart that little little dust of it of that conversation or of that moment and if I didn't apologize it's gonna it's gonna just keep killing me I will find you and I will apologize that's for sure and so probably I did apologize in front of those parents for once but yeah that's my story that's what I you don't remember that incident you had with me you never apologized to me <laughs> no way man <laughs> no, that is not true <laughs> Oh, okay. uh, yeah, nah. Uh, uh, thanks, Ivan. I, 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 not, I normally, I normally don't conflict with right uh, with, uh, with, uh, with people I love. You know, uh, I, I love your passion. I think it's it's awesome. I think you have a good heart. You have a dark side, and it's good, and it's good that you know it because we all do. And I think it's it's awesome that that you can share what you love to do with your children and with their parents. Uh, the people that you coach so it's awesome don't change just keep getting better and, you, know like, it's, you know it's my okay last one i'm leaving uh, you know okay. it's my favorite photo it's, it's a for my p department very often uh you probably have seen that hashtag on on one of my posts hashtag my job is to keep my job <laughs> <laughs> it is <laughs> it is well then so, you know that's awesome well, thanks a lot for, for sharing. As long as you can pay at the end of the month, I'm fine. <laughs> but I'm sorry, keep, I'm sorry. A little bit of dark side now. Sorry. You just keep the job, okay? You just keep the job. So you're, you're doing an awesome job. But nobody else has anything, guys? Come on. It's been a great conversation so far. Um, I, I, I love listening to people. And you know, emo like the emotion that we put as coaches, and what you know, I, I think you know, the bottom line of what we do is, you know, empower people to be better. You know, and whatever culture you are in, I think learning and learning not to criticize that culture, you know, and learning to accept it. That's for one reason or another. That's what goes on over there. And that there's good good things that can happen with, with that, even though if at the beginning you don't understand that. You know? I know I left Singapore after uh, 18 months, but you know, if certain internal things would have been the same, maybe I would still be there. You know, because and I don't regret all the conflicts that I had uh, with Singapore. You know, I think I learned a lot, and I learned a lot about the culture, and and I think I grew as a person a lot. So. Uh, uh. Hey Sergio, I have a, I have a question. Yes. Um, you know, we, we talk about sharing and, you know, being open to people and, uh, you know, like basically kind of like raising our levels up together. Have you ever encountered a person where you, you share and then you want to discuss and this guy just keeps taking your information, taking your stuff that you tell, but they don't share back and then they just keep using the things that, they, that you share and then they, they just, you know, and... and in, in the future, they kind of just start taking your swimmers, they start doing, you know, growing themselves without sharing with you at the same time. Yeah, I probably had over a thousand of those in my last 20 something years. There's always people like that. And uh, it's just a matter of like, it shouldn't bother you. 
and you, you learn how to to at one point not allowing those people in because you, you will you will see them coming you know at the beginning when you're young if you have an open heart sometimes we're, we're naive and no no he's a good person you know how many times my wife has told me you need to fire that person or you, you don't talk to that that guy is taking everything away from you it's like oh you you don't know anything that he's a good person and then he really smacks you in the face and takes things and you're like sad and depressed. I think it's part of growing up. I think you'll figure it out. I think you cannot condition yourself of what you like to do for these people that at the end of the day, they're not gonna, they, they might get ahead of you for a little while, but they're not gonna keep climbing up. They will not, they will crash. And at one point they're gonna be more lonely than, you know, I don't know if this is appropriate for this talk, but in my opinion, one of the only really things that we have in life, you know, it's not money, it's not a house, it's not a fame. I think it's the relationships that you create and how you can sustain those relationships. Yeah. I'm not at that point when I'm gonna, and I haven't been in a situation where I'm in my deathbed thinking about the end of my life. But, but I wanna believe that I, I have created good relationships that that's what makes me feel good. You know, I have great friends from Singapore and every once in a while I'm smoking a cigar outside the house and, and I send them a picture, hey, how are you doing? And this and that, and we chat for a little bit and maybe we spend three months without talking, you know? But we have that relationship that I know it means something, you know? You know what I mean? And so, so I think that's important, you know? Uh, you know, I have, uh, Miguel is a very good friend of mine and sometimes I don't talk with him for months. But that doesn't change when we see one another. We have the same relationship, you know? and that's a very important thing. You know? And I'm not saying that if something happens to me or my family, that I want Miguel to help me out or I want some of these people to help me out. But I know that people like that, because you have created those relationships, would be there to, to even emotionally to help you. So that's a very important thing. You know, and, and that's that's as a person. It's, it's something that you have to think. So, yeah, Coach. Uh, I, I'll share, um, uh, especially for Coach Petra. Um, perhaps um, I share a, a couple of uh, anecdotes, uh, experiences that I had, um, which all left uh, an impression on me. Um, one when when um, I left the UK to go to the US. I uh, had a job as an assistant coach at uh, the university in San Diego. And uh, uh, I arrived in, I arrived in uh, San Diego, I think it was Tuesday or, or Wednesday morning. And, and the very next day, the US Nationals in, in Irvine um, uh, had begun. Uh, this is about, I think, six, five or six years ago now. And um, uh, I went up to the Nationals and... Uh, watch the nationals uh, uh, I, I remember watching uh, I think it was Elizabeth Beisel she slipped off of the blocks um, in the final and uh, started about 15 meters behind everyone and and, and still managed to come back in in uh, uh, third third place I think at that time but um, uh, one or two days I'd, I'd been in the US uh, 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 two days I think and I was at the US nationals um, and uh, that evening, uh, I think it was my second night uh, at the Nationals, 
uh, that evening there was a, a dinner and I'm this young coach uh, assistant um, and at the dinner table in, in some fancy restaurant, um, such, some of you will, will know the names, but uh, uh, John Klinger was the head coach of Purdue. Uh, Dan Ross was the head coach of the, I think, the men's team at Purdue. Um, there was the coach of uh, Notre Dame University. Uh, Anthony Nesty was uh, sitting at the table and uh, Greg Troy was sitting at the table. I couldn't believe it. Uh, I was like a, a dream, like a kid in a, a toy shop. Um, all, all these uh, famous coaches. Uh, I was this young guy, sort of sitting there at the table, and um, uh, I, I didn't know what to say. I, I was quite overwhelmed. And um, uh, the head coach who I was working for at, at the university, uh, he's like, "Gil, here's your opportunity. You know, like uh, chat to the guys. You know." But I, I, I was so uh, humble, Bill. Uh, so I think intimidated. Anyway, uh, as the evening was going on, um, the guys were drinking a little bit more and um, uh, the food arrived and Coach Greg Troy was sitting over the, uh, across the table from me. And um, uh, I think I, I wanted the salt or the ketchup or something like that. Um, and I, I didn't know how to, how to address him. So um, uh, I, I said, uh, uh, um, Mr. Troy, uh, do you mind passing me the salt? And um, he, he looked quite angry at me and uh, he sort of ignored me. And then uh, I said, uh, again, uh, Coach Troy, do you mind passing the salt, whatever it was at the time? And he, he, he looked at me and he said, Coach, he said, you never fucking call me Coach Troy or Mr. Troy ever again. You're a coach at this table. And to me, uh, you, you, you call me Greg. And uh, 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 that was the last conversation I ever had with Greg Troy, but uh, he, he passed me the salt. But um, I, I was uh, incredibly intimidated but, and overwhelmed. But also at the same time, I was, uh, wow, this is uh, the famous Greg Troy. And he's uh, encouraged me to, to call him Greg rather than, than, than by a title of Coach Troy. And I found that quite special. Uh, in the moment, I was quite horrified. Um, but upon reflection, I found that quite special. Uh, and then a few months later, um, after I'd been coaching a little bit at the university, we arrived at a competition. Um, and uh, uh, later on in the evening, uh, Coach John Abanchek, who, who Miguel spoke about, uh, he arrived on the deck. And uh, when I noticed him, I said to the head coach, uh, that's Coach John Abanchek. He's like, yeah, of course. Uh, he was doing some work with... Yeah, uh, I think he, he'd already left USC, but he was doing some work with uh, Dave Salo. And uh, I said, can, can, I, can I go and meet him? And uh, I went over to, to John Lubanchek, introduced myself. Again, I'm, I'm this young guy. I don't know too much about anything. Fresh out of England. And um, I went to John Lubanchek and we had a photo. And uh, so asking him some questions, he said, Coach, we're in a swim meet now and my stopwatch the... The batteries have stopped. Have you got a spare stopwatch for me? Of course. So I gave him my stopwatch. He said, no, no, no. You just uh, watch that swimmer in lane six or whatever it was. And uh, uh, I need her splits. <laughs> uh, so immediately, within a few moments of meeting uh, John Urbanchek, uh, he had me taking some splits on, on one of the swimmers that he was there to, to watch. And uh, afterwards, then I was talking a little bit and he, uh, asking him about programming and so on and so forth. He said, look... Um, 
why don't you come down on Monday, ask for some leave. Um, I know the head coach there will ask for some leave and, and come down and uh, uh, come visit me. And uh, I spent a few days with uh, him um, on the pool side. Also, lots of questions. And in the end, he's like, J just work with me, you know, work with me. Uh, walk up and down with me. Uh, and uh, all the questions about programming, whatever he said, ask my administrator, send her an email. She'll send you my whole, my whole binder. Um, which uh, which he did, and uh, I, I, again, quite uh, uh, quite humbled and uh, uh, overwhelmed by this uh, eighty-year-old man, arguably one of the most famous swimming coaches in the world, and uh, one he was so open towards sharing everything that he had with me. And, uh, and the way he just uh, accepted me um, sort of as a, as a colleague rather than uh, like looking down upon me and so on. So that was quite impressive. And then I contrasted that with um, uh, an experience that I had. Uh, some of the coaches here know that um, I coached Cameron Vandenberg as a, as a young age grouper. And um, I'd already left South Africa uh, to, for England. And Cameron was working with uh, Dirk Langer at the time. And uh, I, I had come to South Africa for a, a short holiday to visit my parents. I said, Cameron, can I come watch your session um, uh, one morning? It was freezing. Uh, uh, South Africa is a hot country, but in, in the winter it's cold. And um, it was uh, July, uh, maybe six or eight degrees um, outside, and Cameron was uh, swimming with Coach Dirk. And I arrived 5.30 in the morning, whatever it was. There were only two, two swimmers there. It was uh, Harald Sandberg, the backstroker, and, uh, and Cameron. And um, as I arrived, Cameron said to Coach Dirk, this, this was my age group coach and so on. Um, he looked at me, shook my hand. He said, hi, Coach. Welcome. Um, uh, I'm, I'm extremely busy right now. Any questions you have, please ask my assistant. Um, and... Um, uh, I was quite, uh, to be honest, I, I, I was quite frustrated and uh, disappointed with, with, with that. And, and again, that was about the full extent of the, the experience that I had with Dirk Langer. And, and, and I contrast the uh, sort of the, those three experiences, John Ivanchek taking me up on the pool deck with him, sharing his program with me and having me work alongside him, taking him splits and uh, listening to how he's coaching. Uh, coach... Greg Troy across the dinner table with me just saying, uh, call me Greg rather than Mr. Troy or Coach Troy. Um, and, and then a, a coach um, who's basically, um, hello, I have no time for you. Any questions you have, please uh, please ask uh, my assistant. And uh, uh, those are three, three experiences that uh, definitely left a, a, a mark on me um, uh, growing up and developing as a swim coach. Thanks, Will. I think, uh, and, and it could be a cultural thing. Where is where is Dirk from? Is he from Austria, Germany? Uh, yeah, I think I think he's yeah. Or, he's working in Austria, but I, I'm actually not a hundred percent sure if he's Austrian or Germany. I to be fair, um, uh, I, I met Dirk again a few years ago. Uh, I mean, a few years later, and. Um, I think Cameron had won the world championship at, time, at that time. No butterfly kicks on that one. And uh, uh, at that time, uh, then when I met Coach Dirk again, and he was, uh, uh, 
he, he turned things around in the sense that he said to me, uh, thanks for all the work that uh, you did with him as an age grouper. Well, what you did as an age grouper has allowed me to develop him into uh, sort of the, the champion he became. Uh, but it was a very different uh, context, you know, and uh, uh, I think it was also about three or four years later. Um, but uh, uh, like, like I say, um, uh, being a, a young, impressionable coach, uh, uh, one the, the way that I was received by these famous coaches, um, Vancek and uh, and Troy, compared to uh, the way that I was received by uh, a different coach originally, uh, the, the, these left impressions. And uh, and it goes back to what we were talking about um, at the very beginning of, of this talk about. Uh, uh, humility, maybe uh, uh, arrogance, or m maybe not. I think arrogance is maybe the wrong word, but perhaps confidence in, in yourself. And um, um, th that killer instinct is like you, you spoke about, Coach Surges. Not not necessarily arrogance, I don't think, but maybe a, a confidence in knowing that what uh, I know, what I need, what I know, what I know, and what I know, I know to be right. Um, and that might be different for for somebody else. Um, but but this is me and this is my style and this is what I know to be to be true and correct and I, I, sometimes I think maybe it comes across as arrogance but uh, for me I understand it to be a confidence um, that, that that we've picked up through through experience and um, humility yeah well, like what Coach Miguel said is uh, humility one thing but maybe approachable is actually uh, a, a better a better term where. Coach Abanchek, Coach John Abanchek, and Troy were sort of uh, approachable in that sense. Um, contrasted with uh, Coach Dirk Langer, who uh, the first time I ever met him was Switzer was locked himself away from me, um, and only about three or four years later, um, uh, th th then opened himself up more. Was it cultural? Was it uh, in the heat of the moment? I don't know, um, but like I say, definitely. Uh, those are some of the experiences that left a, a big marker on me as a coach. You know, thanks for sharing. Man. Uh, you know, one of the things that the American coaches talk a lot about, the legacy that you can have. Do you have a, a, a legacy with the swimmers? Maybe with everything that you do with them. But I think one of the huge legacies that you're going to have is going to be the coaches that, that you can develop or help develop. You know, at one point, most of most of us want to be head coaches or you're going to be in charge of a group and next to you are going to be other coaches they're going to be working with you they're going to be looking up to you and and if you can develop 20 coaches in the span of your life they can coach at a high level not just swimming wise but treating people at a high level in 20 different places and have influence in, in so many different coaches and so many different kids, you've changed the world and that's your legacy. It's not the legacy of like world records. Who the, who the hell cares about world records? We do for a moment. We, we really do. But at the end of the day, you know, you really want to have, your legacy is going to be that. It's the coaches that work with you. You know, right now I'm a very young coach, but I have at least 12 of my ex-swimmers that work with me. They, no, they have worked with me or that I have been able to mentor and they're coaching at a high level in some place. And at a high level, not just 
coaching good swimmers, but developing good programs and putting a safe place for people to do something that they love. That's something that you have to think about. You know, you have to think about the legacy that you're going to leave in, in, in a selfish way too, because that's, you may think, well, Sergio, why do you think about your legacy? Well, you call it legacy or you call it like tradition or, or, or thought process or whatever it is, the influence that you can have with people. And that's a very important thing. You know? And I think many coaches, the coaches that you mentioned, like John Rubanchek and uh, Craig Troy or even, uh, and the, John Rubanchek and Craig Troy are two totally different things. Craig Troy, if he's in a bad mood, he'll tell you to go and fuck yourself. And, and John Rubanchek, he's not going to tell you that. He's going to smile and this and that because he's a totally different personality. But both of them are extremely competitive. And they really understand that the influence that they have on people is, is an important part of who they are. So, uh, just, yeah. All right, guys, it's 11.41 for me, PM. So, I think uh, if nobody else wants to share anything or has anything, we can leave the next one for next week. Uh, if you guys want to talk, I think next week we're going to talk about budgets and or like uh, if uh, I don't have the, I don't have it in front of me, but something like uh, with all this coronavirus, if there's some piece of equipment or you know or things that you need to do to to keep your team afloat, what will be the most important thing that you have? I can tell you right now, for example, that we've gone through different exercises through the school like budget exercises. We already cut close to $2 million in the athletic department for things this summer. And now we're going through a different exercise that we're gonna, we're gonna have to cut probably somewhere between five to 10 more million. So, so we have to think a lot about that, you know, and how we're gonna make ourselves efficient and we're gonna provide the best training situation because a lot of things are gonna be cut at least for a year or for a few months in our situation you know so but if you guys think about anything else that it's more important for you to talk just email me say hey, sergio let's talk about this and you know and we, we can talk about that got it awesome well nobody else has anything to say thank you very much to everybody thank you thank you have, have Thank you, Sergio. Yeah, you're welcome. Have a beautiful day. Thanks, Sergio. Have a good day, Sergio. Thank you. Good night. Uh, stay safe, and for the Russian guys, smile. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and and we'll, we'll we'll see you soon. Okay. Bye. 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 Thanks, Coach. Good, good night, guys. Right, have a good one.